Good evening and thanks for watching or listening to episode 79 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, please leave a comment uh, that we might like. Or if you download it for Spotify or iTunes, leave a nice review. That helps get us pushed up the rankings as uh, I don't know, over there. WBA pod rankings. I don't know what they are, hmm. but John Evans is the genius of that and tells me it pushes us up. And also, VIP Boxing's YouTube, please subscribe to that. It's about 17,500 subscribers, so it's going quite well. And Steve Wood's happy with that. You know me, Steve Lillis. You know John Evans. He's wearing the VIP branding tonight. He's got that famous poster art behind him there. Are you? Even I've come boxing tonight. Canelo Alvarez, <laughs> Liam Smith, mate. Uh, that, that's my, that's my, not, not quite as big as Ernest Duran. Anyway, special guest this week. He's our first ever topless guest. Um, I believe he's got shorts on. He's topless because he's in Fort Aventura and hasn't got air conditioning in his bedroom where he's training at the moment. It's unbeaten Coventry middleweight, Bradley Goldsmith. Bradley, thanks for coming on and the uh, first time we've had you on. Um, your manager, John Pegg, speaks very highly of you uh, and you're, you're training with Dominic Ingle. How's everything going? Very well, mate. Very well. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, and then I'll I'll just quickly say as well I'm not managed by John I'm managed Sorry. by John Ingle. Um, nah, it's all right, it's all right. Same first name, so it's easily done. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, things going really well, mate. As you just touched on briefly, obviously training out in Fort Aventura for my upcoming fight. So no complaints, mate. You know, just working away, putting my head down. Yeah, sorry, I thought it was John Peck. This morning he only ran me nah, out. Nah, I've, right, got, mate, I've got someone right, who will stand out right. on the pod. And he goes, it's one of my fighters. But I suppose that's because you fight on these shows. And I think you're chasing yeah. number four, July 2nd on a show John's putting on. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's my fourth outing coming up. And it will actually be my fourth my fourth fight on one of John's shows. So, uh, so yeah. So, you know, John's been quite good to me. Starting off in my in my in my in my pro career, so yeah. You you good amateur, Brad, and I know um watching an interview with you, you might you might have liked to stay amateur a bit longer, but the situation in the world maybe forced your hand a little bit. But now you find yourself out in these training camps in Fort Ventura with Kid Galahad's out there, isn't he? I saw Jack Raff, Liam Taylor are out there, and is it like a real eye eye opener as to what it takes to succeed as a pro when you see these guys and and the life you're living now. Do you know what? It, it, it's mad you've, you actually started on that because I was literally on the phone to my dad probably about an hour and a half, two hours ago, and I was, and I was touching on, on that subject that you just said, you know, I really thought today and really, you know, comp, sorry, really beeped it at how fortunate I actually am. And what I mean by that is, you know, being able to experience the training camps, being around, you know, world-class fighters, high-level fighters, you know, fighters with all different levels of experience. It's it's very surreal, mate, you know, and I can't really believe I'm here. I also can believe I'm here. You know, I'm obviously here for a reason with that in mind. So it's, it's, it's very good all around, mate. Brilliant. Well, I'll tell you, we'll, we'll, we'll kick on now. With the pod, how, how, how this works, Brad? John gets a bit angry if you're still speaking after three minutes. John, what happens at the end no, of three minutes? Noted. Brad knows. John Pegg's warned him. Comes back. 
bigging me up, you know, telling me things that probably at the time, yes, I wanted to hear. And you don't really appreciate it because you're going, yeah, yeah. You know, when someone's almost blowing smoke up your ass, you just tend to go along with it. But until you fully believe it yourself and you actually have that self-confidence of, no, I deserve to be here. I, I, I am this good. I have got this. I can do this. It's, it's such a playing factor that I've found out in, in a boxer's career, you know, because if you've got no confidence, to, you know, to even, even with your training, you know, if you're, not, if you're not confident in training and you're not reaching your maximum potential in training, you're never going to be confident going into the ring because you know you took shortcuts prior, you know? Do you know what, funnily enough, I've been speaking to someone, story in boxing news, actually, I won't tell you it is because it'll ruin it. Hmm. But there's, um, like, a, how can I word it now? People who are doing things for the right reasons, flattery and stuff takes a back seat to yeah. honesty, doesn't it? Yeah, they yeah, can yeah. see through bullshit and they can see through flattery, can they, see, they can see through fake compliments to the actual nuts and bolts of it. And I suppose that's what you've got to do, Brad, isn't it? You've got to find out, you know, once you realise, yeah, I'm right, I'm, I'm doing the right thing, I'm good enough, I'm doing this for the right reasons, you begin to see it all clearly, see exactly what you've got to do and, and realise that you are good enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of said it earlier, you know, when I first went to, when I first come to the Ingle gym, I was a bit like, you know, bloody hell, I can't believe I'm here, you know, because at the time I generally couldn't, you know, I was starstruck, I was this. And then it's not until you actually get settled and you and you have that bit behind you where you're like, no, I, I deserve to be here, you know, and that's where the confidence comes from. And I believe when you're confident, that's when you get, you actually get the best out of yourself. Yeah. And that shows, you know, and that shows whether it be in training, fighting, what 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 I do in my spare time, in my downtime, in camp, out of camp, you know, all these things play a massive part. I mean, self-confidence is, is enormous. I mean, how many fighters do you think there are that get in the ring lacking self-confidence and they become defeated before they're in the ring? It, it happens so often, doesn't it? I mean, and I, I've heard it, stories, I'm not, I'm not, not, not going to name the fighter because of, I'm, of the two fighters, it's totally unfair. I know one fighter who sparred with a, a, another one, and every time he sparred with him, he had to stop sparring because he was just draining his confidence. Oh, there you go. Round three, and uh, I'm, I'm going to start this one. Chisora Pulis, this is a subject that Bradley wanted to talk about as well, so I don't know he'll have something to say. I mean, I just think, look, good luck to them nicking a few quid, but I just don't know how you're getting away with this fight because neither of them... Oh, I don't know what. Neither of these two are ever going to be in the world level again. It's going to go at the O2 Arena, and it's just another payday. I just don't see where it's almost like the 80s and 90s when Don King and main event had all main events had all these heavyweights, and they kept recycling them. It's like a 1980s, 1990s Don King recycled heavyweight match. It just does nothing for it. And I'm just one, we, I mean, the only hope either of these two have got of getting back in the world stage is a last minute job and a big fight. Who knows? They might have been told, who knows? You know, boxing's a, works in the strangest way. They might be told with a winner, stay fit. If Us if Joshua gets injured, you're fighting Usyk in Saudi, mm -hmm. they don't lose the dough. That's what could be happening, but it's a fight that does nothing for me. And it's one I want to, you know, I don't miss many much boxing on TV when I'm not at a show, but 
it's one I won't even bother watching. Yeah, it's I I I just wanted to touch on it, and you know, I mean, my my opinion is completely ir- irrelevant to be honest. But you've almost got to ask yourself, when do fighters like that stop? You, you know, when does it when when's it enough? You know, and it's like they've. Chisora, especially, he's brought plenty of glory days, you know, to British boxing. He's obviously always in entertaining fights and stuff like that. But it's like, it's probably got to the point now where it's like, yeah, we all expect a big fight from Chisora. Yeah, win or lose. But you, you want to be watching someone that you're invested in, that you actually want to win and you want on to, you know, go and do these big things. And I just don't think either of them, are, as you said, Steve, are going to be able to do. No, no. He's is that saying him, but it's two bald men fighting over a comb, isn't it? It doesn't matter who wins. There's no, there's no future for either of them, is there? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like a pointless fight. You, you know, it's yeah. just yeah, it's entertaining and it's you know, people will get their money's worth, but it's like like you just said, there's there's no real end result. What, no. what worries me for Dell is how many losses now? He must be double figures now. I think he's lost his he lost two or three or might have won one of them. I'm not sure about looking at his record. I worry about the damage in later life because he's having hard, hard fights. Hard, hard I've fights. Been, you know what? And he deserves what he's done for British boxing. He deserves to be able to enjoy life after boxing. With his children. He's been matched in brutal fights as well. Yeah. Which is bad. John, round four over to you and the, the Hall of Famers. Hall of Fame weekend. Yeah, well, it was a triple triple header at the Hall of Fame weekend, wasn't it? Because of a pandemic, they, they squeezed in three classes. And I tell you what, I was looking down that list of fighters who got inducted and, my God, I know there's usually some petty little arguments about people getting in the Hall of Fame. I don't think there's one single name on that list who anybody could even nah. quibble with. The thing I like about the Hall of Fame is... Probably Mayweather's a good example. You know, these guys have earned fortunes, have been on the biggest stage. I've never been to Canastota, but I believe it's a quiet, small little place with maybe a motel and a couple of cheap bars. But when they're amongst the peers and they're amongst the people who make the living in boxing, you can see just how much it means to them, can't you? Floyd, that's probably the happiest I've seen Floyd look. And he was in a little town in upstate New York doing his parade in an old washed up sports car down a little street but you could just see it's a world away from the life he normally lives but you could see just what it meant to him and I love watching my Hall of Fame speeches yeah. I, I thought they were really good Hopkins was good, Roy Jones was great doing his you almost have forgot rap and I, I just think it's a real good weekend every year Well, well I think it's brilliant about it and that's what, what sets boxing apart from the other sports, what other sport when they have a Hall of Fame, there was a football one and I know there's an, I think there's an NFL one would you get one where there's a weekend where the fans can openly mingle with these fighters? I think that's sensational and it's such a fan-friendly event. It's one thing I don't agree with it. I don't believe us journalists should be inducted into Boxing Hall of Fames. That's one thing I don't. But no, it's a brilliant weekend and that the Mayweather speech praising his father was genuine and from the heart. You know, when you think they have had a rocky relationship during his career but, and made up towards the end. You just said um, then about Mayweather, you know, looking the happiest. You you probably find in in that situation he's he's looking around and he's probably actually appreciating boxing again and realizing yeah. that boxing is what made him. You know, and like you just said, then Steve, that's probably why again 
he spoke about his dad because it was his dad who started him off, you know. So he's probably going through all, all, all these emotions, you know, money aside, all the rest of it. He's happy because he's thinking, ah, this is what's made me, you know. Yeah, I, I do like it when someone um, who might have forgot or slipped under the radar gets in and you can see, you know, when we get up on the podium and they, they're making the speech, you can see how much it means. I remember Orlando Canazales getting in. I love Orlando Canazales. You might, Don might have you watching him. He's got that sort of Ingle sort of style. Mm. But to see him getting that, that was great. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just absolutely love it. You can see, like you just said, Brad, they realised that boxing made them and maybe they lost track of it a bit, just getting focused on money and fame. But all of a sudden, when they're there, it all comes back to them. Surprised you haven't been, John. Really surprised at that, actually. It's the sort of thing I know you would go to. I thought you would go to. Um, round five, back to you, Bradley, and the uh, British titles and what it means. Yeah, so um, I, I wanted to talk about this one as well, especially because I think a lot of people would, would be... Well, my question is, would people be happier winning a British title or a, a world title? And I asked that because I, I think how many boxers, you know, truly believe that, that they can get to world level? I think you'd find a, there's a higher percentage that believes that they can get to a British level, you know, 10 times over a world level. So I think when they actually, when they actually win or, you know, will get a shot at the, the British, I think it means so much more. And I wanted to speak about this because I've seen... My friend Liam Davis, he he won the British title on on the weekend. Not sure if you watched it, but yeah, and you could just see how much it meant. You could just see how much it meant, you know. And he's got like a he's got a lovely tra tradition where he you know where he takes his bouts to his granddad, and it's just like that winning that title, you know, probably meant more than anything. You know, would it would him winning a world title mean more? I probably I doubt it. You know, that for him was his world title. And it's just like, it, it It made me think, you know, this obviously for British fighters only, of course, but how how important is that British title? You know, how much does it mean, you know? You know what, Brad? Funnily enough, I, sp I spoke to both Liam and Mark a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Mark Leach, who was the former champion. And Mark said, yeah, I've got the British title. He said, I might win a world title in the future. He said, but I swear to you, it won't mean any more than this. It was the, it's true, it's true. That, he said, this will be the belt that means the most to me for the rest of my career. I spoke to Liam and he said, this is the belt I want more than any other in boxing. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly it's, right. It's just like, you know, I think it, I just don't think it's appreciated enough, no. you know, and especially once you got it, it's like, you know, because to, to some people, you can be in a harder British title fight than you actually kind of will title fight. You know, which is obviously crazy in in itself. So, yeah, you know what? And the fact that you said the windmills belt. Sorry, John. No, go on, Steve. Go on. No, go on, mate. You you you're in a debate there with Brett. Yeah, I was going to say the, the fighters that do come through hard fights for the British titles and European and English, they're better prepared and battle hardened for the higher levels. Oh, so when they get to European level, when they get to world level, and it's not going right. They've already been in that situation. They can got that experience just programmed into them. Yeah, they're a godsend and, like you say, so so under underappreciated and undervalued. 
Final round, so it's flown by. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. It was, I want to talk about Trevor Bryan at the weekend. Now, congratulations to Daniel Dubois for winning whatever belt you want to call WBA regular, whatever. Um, you know, he, what he did, he, what, what, what Daniel did was what very good heavyweights do to bang ordinary fighters. They got him out of the way, and I don't think Daniel might not have believed how poor he was in the first round. And he, maybe he could have got the job done earlier, but the finish was fantastic. And uh, Daniel's back, back, he's back, you know, um, after the loss to Joe Joyce. But I just want to, you know, but basically that fight the other night was what we would call in, you know, a lot of people would speak that. It was like an 80s and 90s Don King Phil fight to it. It, rem it was a sort of fight where he, he was like an American import Mickey Duff would bring over in the 70s and 80s. Dom would tell you about these guys and your dad, Brad, I'm sure. And they were brought over to get beat. It was just an international heavyweight fight, wasn't it, more than anything? It was a sort of guy, he was, Brian was a sort of guy Mickey Duff would bring over for Gary Mason and Frank Bruno to flatten. I just thought, I'm not going to call me he was ever a world champion, but I, I'd seen clips of him before. But good God, I didn't realise how bad he was until after about two minutes of that fight. I'd never realised. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's, it's almost a shame because it's like, that almost takes a bit away from Dubois' win, you know, because it's like, yeah, he won, but, you know, him be, him looking or being that bad, that's just created a but, you know. I mean, but butts aside, tremendous knockout, you know, he's obviously got crazy, crazy power, you know, and what I, I knew he was young, but I didn't realise he was 24. Yeah. So, you know, so for me, that, you know, he's got the whole future his whole future ahead of him and I do I, I do think he'll be you know he'll be one of those that that do reign for quite a few years you know pending pending people kind of you know out outbox him or something like that yeah that belt's a godsend for Daniel isn't it you know he, he can get these rounds in now he can face these top 15 guys and and get some momentum going uh, hopefully be getting about in a quick defense in, yeah summer and then another one before Christmas that I think that's what we've got to do I'll tell you what just before we finish I loved that event oh it was brilliant the old donking logos and oh yeah I, I love I the love flags stuff. in there brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. I, I love stuff like that you know if, if you offered me the chance to watch a proper run event or a farce I'll, I'll choose the farce You're every time <laughs> the, the venue was a disgrace the crowd was a shambles the ring looked a joke every single aspect of it was Terrible, but it just made it so good. I, I loved it. Frampton was great on commentary. Uh, I, I just thought it was sensational to watch. It it looked like um, the same sort of venue and stuff when George Foreman beat Joe Frazier in Jamaica back in the 70s. And it looked like we were still using the same technology to broadcast it. It was like watching through tissue paper. It was brilliant. I just thought it was it was a fantastic event. I, I loved it. And that Don logo that was in the top left-hand corner yeah. of the screen, that was the Don King logo from 30 years ago. It was brilliant. And it, if you want to get a real from someone who He's was mad. there, read Steve Bunce's piece online. It's absolutely brilliant. You know, and it, John, it's almost as if, I, I don't know, I doubt, I'm not sure if you read Bunce's piece yet. It's almost as if you read his piece, how you've related to it, John. I've not, no, I, I love you, don't, I, know, I know Bunce, he loves stuff like that, doesn't he? So yeah, I, he, I, he, I he, he's it, from but. your school of thought, but... Ask you, you just touched on it. Just one little question each before we go. We always overrun on the final round here, Brad. How far do you think Dubois could go? I think you touched on it, Bradley, first. 
Um, I do believe he'll be a world champion. I think the talent factor of how long and how many bouts, etc., will come down to who else comes through or who stays. You know, because you've got other heavyweights that are coming through. You're, you're also, you know, in the next couple of years, you are going to have new prospects come through. You know, they could get moved very quickly. There's so many telling factors that, you know, you can't really pinpoint a straight answer. But I do believe he'll, I do believe he'll be a world champion. Yeah. When, when and how long for is... Uh, still unknown, really. Yeah, I mean, so we'll bring with you. I think in a couple of years, the belt's going to get fragmented because Tyson will definitely have gone. Usyk, AJ, White, Wilder have all gone. Then there's the next batch of them. He's yeah. right there and he's going to be right in the mix. I think he wins the world title. As you say, how long he reigns for, I don't know. What well, one big thing in his favour, he lives the life. He's the sort of guy I shouldn't even think he's ever had a Mars bar. John, final words for <laughs> Daniel. You know, you know him quite well. You've been to his house. Yeah, yeah, met Daniel quite a few. Yeah, been to his house in Essex, and no, there's no Mars bars in that house. But um, yeah, I, he'll be our world champion. But whether he'll be the world champion, I don't know. Quite, you can put ticks in all the boxes. He's got tremendous power. He's got a jab. He's better on his feet than you think. Funnily enough, you know, I know he the ending of the Joyce fight happened how it happened. I thought he showed he's got a chin in that fight because he took some huge shots. Didn't go anywhere. And he's also willing to mix it up. You know, in his early fights, he, he'll go to war if someone's throwing Dubois will throw with them. And they're all big things for a heavyweight, I think. Um, so I think he'll definitely be our world champion. Whether he'll come through it all and be the world champion is a different matter, isn't it? Well, brilliant, John. Thanks for that, John. Bradley, thanks for joining us tonight. You've been a tremendous thanks guest. For having thanks for having brilliant, me. Brilliant, brilliant talk of such a young fighter. You've got an opinion on boxing and the problem you've got now is once you come on this podcast once and you shine like that, in a couple months, we're back, <laughs> we're back bothering you again. So you ain't, you ain't getting rid excited. of Lillis and Evans now. I'll be excited. I'll, I'll be excited for the call, mate. Don't you worry. <laughs> well, well, I tell you, it looks like it's getting even hotter there in Fort Aventura looking at the... Um, I think it is, mate. I think it is, mate. It's, I'll let you it's all right. It's what, all what right. Got, what, what, what Dom's got planned for you now. Hopefully, we'll let you rest now. But thanks very much for giving us some time tonight. Bradley. My pleasure. My oh, pleasure. Yes. Thank, thanks for having me. Thanks thank for having you, me. Thank you, John. And thanks everyone else who's listened this week. And don't forget to leave a review. Subscribe to VIP YouTube. Thanks very much. For all boxing, info, news and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP Boxing Promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.